This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights, Market Pulse podcast. And today we're joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst, Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Federal Reserve Chief Jerome Powell has joined uh, the cream of the global central banking crop today in the beautiful city of Sintra in uh, Portugal. And uh, they have all warned Powell, Bailey, Lagarde, et al., that inflation and the fight against inflation is not yet done. Very much so. I mean, Powell, he's he's sticking to the hawkish script. Uh, he tried very so hard in the beginning, um, saying consecutive rate hikes aren't off the table. And I think you're starting to see a market that is becoming convinced that he's not going to deviate from the script. I think when you take a look at all the data, it does support um, a strong case here that the Fed might need to continue to, to raise rates. Um, and Powell was also optimistic about the market still being able to get a soft landing. And, and I think there's there's a lot of question marks. I mean, we, we still have to see what's going to happen with inflation. I think there's still a lot of risks on the table. Um, just hearing from today, General Mills, they provided a, a rather upbeat outlook. You know, they they raised their guidance uh, in in March for this year. Today, they provided initial outlook for next year, and they're they're saying prices are going up. They're gonna because of inflation. So I, I mean, we're not getting I, I think a, a lot of optimism here that inflation is going to come down. But when you take a look at those Fed rate hike expectations, you know, the market's still kind of not convinced. And, and I think what we're, we're going to see is there's going to be more restriction coming. It seems like there's a very good likelihood they're going to raise rates in July. And we'll need to see, you know, are there continuing, you know, disinflation drivers that remain firmly in place that provide that optimism? The problem is we're starting to see other parts of the economy that are uh, that have bottomed out. I mean, we're, we're getting much more resilience out of uh, not resilience, but we're getting a rebound out of the housing market. And I think this is going to be a very difficult uh, market to navigate because as we take a look at, you know, there are, um, you know, strong, you know, signs that there's lots of weakness in the economy. You still have a labor market. You know, you still have like 1.7 jobs available per uh, position. And I think this is this is something we're going to probably see. A lot of people um, are optimistic here that uh, there's still a lot of good in the economy. And I mean, that's probably why the Fed's going to remain fairly, uh, I think, committed to this rate hiking cycle. So more tightening should be coming. And to add in terms of some of the optimism surrounding the economy specific, Ed, um, yesterday American Airlines had a really big up day. So did a lot of the airline stocks, uh, performed really well. We saw Airbnb also get a little bit of a bid. And again, um, this this is sort of a testament to, to what Jerome Powell is saying, where the economy is still uh, relatively robust. You mentioned housing looking more optimistic. In certain ways, this is something uh, you know the Fed is, is going to continue to sort of bump the thumb on, if you will, you know, thump on the the Bible kind of concept. You hear Jerome Powell sticking to his guns when it comes to the uh, the the expectations for for more need to stay on the tightening uh, process for longer. And and I do find it to be a very interesting sort of divergence where we do see uh, the equity markets performing really well, especially you know some of the some of the performers. Um, that, that are most likely to be impacted. You've got Dow stocks making moves to the upside. You've got 
the Nasdaq also making uh, strides here recently, or, or at least a bit of a recovery um, from the recent sell-off. Uh, the S&P trading up uh, just over, just under 4,400 here today, 4,382 uh, at the time of recording. Um, with with this reiteration of, uh, hey, more rate hikes and, and don't rule out the idea of two rate hikes back to back, it does sound like hawkish language. And I find it very interesting that the market is kind of just shrugging it off anyways. My personal take is that I am overall personally, personally I think that uh, the equities market here in 2023 looks a lot more attractive than it did in 2022. But I do also find it a bit concerning how much uh, Jerome Powell keeps coming back to this concept. The last thing I will say in terms of commentary from um, you know the Fed officials or anybody in the central banking world globally they tend to, if you were in their role, you'd probably do the same. They tend to be a little bit more on the cautious side just in general, with inflation being sort of their mandated thing that they focus on uh, and, and jobs market still looking relatively strong. Um, they're going to always sort of have a little bit more caution, I would say, than perhaps the average um, investor. So uh, let's talk a little bit about AI as well. We have uh, some interesting stuff developing there. NVIDIA has been all the rave recently. Ed, what's the latest on AI? Yesterday evening, we had the Wall Street Journal come out with a piece uh, saying that the Biden administration might have some tougher restrictions um, for some of these chip makers, and uh, that would really put a dent in NVIDIA's uh, selling to China, which is roughly about 20% of their revenue. Um, but you know, as as you you kind of uh, pointed out just now, there's still a lot of optimism for uh, the Nasdaq. Um, you know, today we had BlackRock. Um, with the with a major call, they're they're going big on AI. They're 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 going overweight, and uh, they're they're thinking that this could be a, a mega force. <laughs> uh, so so I think this is this is a, a trade that's still early stage. It's still um, Nvidia's valuation. It's gotten a little bit out of hand, but I, I think there's still a lot of um, upside here. A, potential $800 billion market that I think a lot of people are excited about. So restrictions against China, this is, you know, yes, it'll probably, if this does happen, we might get retaliatory measures back and forth and, it'll, you know, that will, you know, obviously dampen some of the outlook. But um, you remember, this is all posturing. U.S. is having talks with China. We'll probably see some type of, uh, I think, positive resolution. And, and I think right now, when you take a look at where the Biden administration is, um, they're slowly getting into campaign mode. I know it's early, but um, you're, 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 I would be surprised if we saw some, you know, crippling, um, you know, hurdles put in for AI. Uh, this is, an, you know, one of the positive themes for the economy, for the outlook. So we'll, we'll probably see that. I think, uh, you know, the AI trade is not going away. And, you know, that's going to, that's going to, keep you know supporting the nasdaq um heavily the s p 500 too and um you know but the question is you know well you know eventually will valuations will the you know the the the, the troubles with lending that are slowly emerging um you know people people are saying you know well the economy's still strong we're still we're not seeing it really uh, reflected in the data some of the data points are showing that um you know today we we had the mba mortgage applications one of the things that we never talk about is the jumbo rate 
and that's the the rate that's used for the, the luxury properties. That one is now at 6.91 percent. You know, the, the traditional 30-year average that's at 6.75. So you're starting to see um, there 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 is a, <laughs> that tightening is going to be felt. That's going to be passed, you know, across various uh, sectors and. Uh, um, it, it's going to be difficult for this mount, this market rally to, to, to have legs until the breath is there. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, right now, you know, today, uh, markets, they tend to like to ignore Fed Chair Powell. They are fighting the Fed. And uh, we'll see uh, if that um, can hold up throughout the summer. Annette, I was speaking to your colleague, Kelvin Wong, on Monday, and we reflected on the dramatic events in Russia over the weekend and and whether or not there'd been an effect on markets. The market reaction was fairly muted. What is happening actually now with the likes of oil and gas at the moment? The events over the weekend were fascinating. Um, I I was uh, bombarded by media questions uh, throughout the various stages of uh, what happened in uh, Russia. And I think what you're going to see is, you know, the Geopolitical risks, geopolitical, uh, you know, uh, noise typically triggers a, an initial market reaction, but then, you know, it, it ultimately goes back to the key fundamental drivers. And for oil, it is all about, you know, the demand outlook. Right now, you're starting to see there are jitters that you're going to have um, slower demand um, across Europe, um, as most of those central banks are remaining fairly aggressive with their rate hiking cycles. Um, you know, ECB forum, I mean, it, it was just hawkish measure, you know, I think it was just consistent hawkish speak from Lagarde. And then we also heard from uh, De Guindos, uh, Vujic, Simkus, Kazakhs. Everyone was talking about much more rate hikes coming. So I think you're going to see that demand is going to be uh, – is, is expected to be a lot softer. Now, obviously, um, if they have a hot summer and a cold winter, then that can really uh, affect the natural gas demand outlook, which will then also filter into crude um, as sometimes they'll use crude to make up for some of those shortfalls. But I, I think what you'll see is OPEC plus members are really concerned right now. I think you're going to start to see that there's going to be pressure on Russia to deliver on their production cuts. Uh, I think there's going to be um, um, a little bit of concern that if oil breaks below the March lows, I think you're, you're going to see um, there's a lot of nervousness here that, you know, the oil market is uh, has been defended and controlled by OPEC very convincingly that they're starting to lose their their, their grip here. So, um, you know, when you when you take a look at U.S. demand, um, you know, today we're getting a bump. Stockpiles came down a little bit more. The demand is looking a little bit better. Um, I think overall, you know, this is, uh, you know, there's still a lot of strength in the U.S. And I think we should expect, I mean, as, as uh, you know, we saw that move up higher, as uh, Nick pointed out with airlines, you know, Delta CEO being so optimistic about, you know, travel demands going forward. Uh, jet demand uh, in today's EIA report, highest level since 2019. Gasoline demand, the, the four-week average, highest since December of 2021. So we're, we're starting to get, you know, better, you know, better signs of the demand outlook. But, um the global situation is different. And I think until we really get, you know, a strong sign that China has bounced back, it's going to be tough. And what's going to trigger that? Well, I think people are expecting easing from the central bank and the PBLC. It seems like they might be waiting for that Politburo meeting, which, I mean, there's no set time on that. 
tip last year it happened at the end of July so we might not be getting that um, that rush of stimulus um, as uh, as early as I was anticipating and if that happens you know that that's gonna keep I think crude somewhat grounded but um, we are near key lows I don't think we have the catalyst to break them just yet um, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens but Oil's going to become a very important to trade to follow because if we do get that rebound, that's also going to provide some more inflationary pressure to a very delicate situation. And I want to also talk, we talked a little bit about some commodities, oil, uh, natural gas. I'd made the point about the upcoming um, you know, summer months and that sort of thing. I think also one thing to note, uh, a nod also to the very hawkish persistence that we saw um, from, from uh, officials in, in Europe. Uh, you know, another thing I, I thought was very interesting and very talked about topic is, of course, the gold uh, markets, the metal markets. Uh, on the topic of commodities, we, we've seen gold really uh, struggle recently, especially amidst all the hawkish commentary, uh, especially one theme that we've discussed on the podcast recently a lot is just gold's recent behavior, uh, very much paying close attention to what not just the Federal Reserve is up to, but also what other central banks, China, you know, um, European Central Bank, of course, all over the world, these these things have uh, effect on, on gold, as of course, much of the demand for gold is not solely just in the United States. So I think what's really interesting too, uh, just a small divergence, I noticed we talked airline stocks and how um, they were up yesterday on some some U.S. Uh, positivity surrounding the uh, potential outlook for the economy. I also noticed that yesterday there was a, an interesting divergence in the price of silver, or the price action of silver and the price action of gold. Gold, like I said, has been uh, actually in the last few days, the lagger of the two. We've seen gold trade down. Yesterday we had, however, a decent outlook on silver. Uh, one thing I like to point out often on the podcast when it comes to gold and silver, uh, the gold-silver ratio is something of interest, but you know, the basic idea is, of course, silver is the more industrious metal. Uh, in economic outlook that's more positive, it's going to get used more, right? Planes, we're on the topic of airlines, uh, smartphones, you know, all these sorts of things demand a lot of silver. Solar panels, especially with upcoming uh, Biden re-election, watching the solar panels market. There's so many things to talk about in relation to the metals market. Um, I thought that was interesting that that silver outperformed gold in the last few days. Uh, again, gold really struggling recently with all the the hawkishness uh, from the the markets. And again, we've lost some of the 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 strength uh, or some of the catalysts that we were talking about uh, in the months past, where we had um, you know bank collapse failures and, and fears around that, which really propped up the price of gold for a little bit. We've seen those things go out the the door. Uh, to my you know surprise, I expected we would see a little bit more drama in that area, but it seemed to kind of come and go uh, as of latest. Of course, you know with with recession talks and that sort of thing. Uh, potentially resurfacing in, in the future, we may come back to that topic in the future. But uh, again, metals market right now looks like it is really under pressure overall due to all the central bank stuff that we've been seeing. Okay, Nick and Ed, thanks for joining us today. We will speak to you again very soon. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast 